Hey, y'all. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Worlds of Country podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. On this week's episode, Tyler Braden joins me to talk about his musical journey from being a firefighter to becoming one of Nashville's fastest rising stars. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It was a really great conversation. We ran into some technical difficulties, but it was still such an awesome conversation with Tyler. Talk to you guys on the other side. Hey, Tyler, how are you? Doing all right, man. How are you? I'm doing great. What have you been up to lately? I uh, mean, just uh, trying to stay busy with everything. Just been on the road a lot and trying to write when we're in town. You know, like I said, always trying to keep busy, which isn't very hard. <laughs> so when did you sort of know that music was something that you wanted to to pursue with your life? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, I've kind of sang and played music in some form or fashion for a long time since I was very young. Six years ago when I started trying to move to Nashville and actually ended up moving here in July of 2016. And I still was in the fire service. I was still working at, but I knew that music was something I wanted to do by that point. So how were you sort of able to to balance the fire service with the music at that point? Uh, well, I lucked up a little bit with the scheduling that Brentwood used, the city I was working with at the time. A lot of cities across the country, including my previous job in Montgomery, worked 24 hours on and then 48 hours off. But Brentwood worked 48 hours on and then 96 hours off. So the shifts were longer and you could run the risk of being a little more tired when you got off. But having four days off at a time gave a lot of room to be able to have a lot of full weekends off where I could play shows, a lot of mostly full weeks off. I could write a lot as long as I was able to get the scheduling to land right. I had plenty of time to work with at that point. Did it get to a point where it started to interfere or did you avoid that? Oh, absolutely. Um, which was a good thing, of course, you know, towards the, I'd say the last six months or so of my fire career, the music career grew to a point where the opportunities were bigger than me in that I couldn't move them to fit my schedule. I had to move my schedule to fit the opportunity. And that's where the thing I'll never be able to repay the guys at the firehouse for is they were always willing to work for me if I needed to leave for a day or for both days. They were always willing to help me, you know, make it in this business as much as they could help. So um, having that community that you built with your your firefighter brother, the fire service brothers, did that help you build a community in Nashville once you moved out to Nashville? Because you were already involved in such a close, close knit fraternity. It did is that's you are right. It does draw similarities there. And. I've already done the career where you have to live with guys for days on end and really have to know each other really well. So being on the road is kind of like being back at the fire station. And I think that's one of the biggest things that the firehouse kind of prepared me for was being able to be around people 24 hours a day for days on end. So how did you get to the point that you were ready to move out to Nashville? Uh, well, it kind of came pretty quick. I did a contest actually in Alabama one time where it was kind of like an American Idol style thing. And whoever won that won a trip to Nashville in a recording session, which was actually ended up being in a guy's basement. And that sound 
that sounds bad, but it's still to this day one of the nicest studios I've ever been in. And it was built out of this guy's basement. And he basically did background music for commercials on like NBC and Fox and stuff out of the studio. But he offered up his time to the winner of the contest. And that was the first time that I ever came to Nashville. And I got the itch kind of going. And a buddy of mine that had already made the move with relative success said, kind of where you have to be. Now, you can make it from other places, but it, it's a little more difficult because you can't network as much and get to know people. And it just out of nowhere, I kind of went back to the fire station in Montgomery and Googled Tennessee firefighting jobs. And within six weeks, I had tested and gotten a job in Nashville and moved to Frank. I lived in Franklin. I worked for Brentwood Fire. So um, <clears throat> was there a bit of a culture shock moving out to Nashville from, from such a small town? Um. I mean, I was from a very small town, but I did commute to Montgomery and stuff all the time. So it wasn't too crazy of a change, especially since I came and I lived in Franklin. We still had a really big yard and we were still still went to a really small grocery store and I still was at a fire station every third day. So my life was really pretty much the same, minus being away from family and friends, I guess, that I'd known all my life. But um it wasn't too bad of a culture shock since I didn't move directly into Nashville. If I'd have moved into a condo in downtown Nashville, it probably would have been a major culture shock, but I think I would have been okay. So how long into your time in Nashville were you sort of to were you able to build that community around you of people that you really vibe with and that you really trust? Uh, well, I was blessed to move here with a guy that I'd met in Florida through some friends he already lived here and went to middle tennessee and i happened to text him if he knew someone that needed a roommate when i was getting a house up here and he needed one himself and he was a tour manager for a small artist so he was kind of the guy that helped me meet people around town uh, his name's chase butler he's my tour manager now and so he moved into the house and so i'd kind of go to shows he was doing he knew about the things around town like whiskey jam and all that so I would go with him. And so that he's kind of the gateway that helped me into it. And I played on a softball league with him and met Sean Pace on the softball team. And Sean Pace is the one who introduced me to my management. So it all kind of started right there at the house that I moved into. Yeah, so that's a crazy coincidence how it kind of all came full circle there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what's what would you say is the importance of having that group of people around you and not trying to do it all yourself? Man. I've said since day one when I would meet guys that I wanted to see if they could, you know, play guitar or play a show here and there that I didn't want hired guns, you know, for every situation. I wanted my friends and that makes some things harder, some things easier. But for most of the, mostly it makes life way easier on the road. You know, my whole band and crew are my best friends. My girlfriend does our photo video it's just, and so she does it for everyone in the band. And it's just, it's such a tight knit community that we have all the time. And I live with half of them still. We're a very, very tight knit group, which sometimes can be bad. Sometimes we spend maybe too much time together and not enough time out networking with others. But I think it's super, super important to have people that you're close with around you because it just makes the difficult moments much easier and it makes the good moments that much better. It's definitely good to have people who truly believe in you around you as opposed to someone that you're just giving a check to who's going to play the guitar and then, then run off afterwards. For sure. It really so, means a lot. Yeah. 
So I want to get into to a little bit of your music. How would you describe your your own musical style? Oh wow! Well, I'm. I always try to make my lyrics mean a lot more than just you know your average kind of throwaway love song or something like that. That's a terrible way to put it, but. I have a rock background, so every time that we're writing, we're picturing the live show, and we're always wanting that to be strong and the visual aspect of the song to be just as good as the, you know, the audio. But I'm always trying to have the song mean something. I've got the songs about being from a small town, the songs about trying to make it in an industry that other people think is a little crazy. Um, even down to the love songs, trying to find an outside view that you don't always get to hear. I want to say if I described my music, it would be basically almost rock music with country lyrics. It's yeah. it's very hard to explain, but yeah. that's that's the way I've always tried to approach it. Yeah, I was gonna say you have a very rocking sound, but with like classic country songwriting on the songs, which is such a cool blend that you don't really see too often. I appreciate that, man. That's yeah. kind of what we've been for, so that's a good thing. Yeah. As if other people see what you're going for, it means that you're doing it right. Right, for sure. So um, of the songs that you've put out to date, is there one that sticks out as a favorite to you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Man, they all have kind of their special place, like Leave Me Alone, Little Red Wine. They were the ones that got me going, so they always have their own place. Uh, what Do They Know is the most true-to-me story that we've written. Uh, Ways to Miss You is my favorite one to play live. So they've all got their own little place. We've got songs coming out later this year on an EP in November that I really love. Some songs that kind of slow down and get a little more serious. And I'm, like I said, man, they just all have their own place. It's really, really difficult to find a favorite. How do you feel that since the days of Little Red Wine and Leave Me Alone that you've been able to, to grow as an artist and grow into your sound? Man you ask about the community and the people you have around you, they make it that much easier. I mean, my management crew, my publishers, the ones they, the writers they lead me to and to help find the right people to write with and the record label always pushing me to be myself. And it's just all about the people you have around you that will really, really help you grow. And of course, as with anything else that comes with experience, the more we play on the road, the more that I write, the more I know how I want to write. And it's just, it's just there's so many little pieces to it, but I think the biggest things are just putting in your 10,000 hours and having a good team around you. As someone who had that success as an independent artist before signing your record deal, does that allow you the freedom to not sort of fit into the mold once you signed your record deal like so many others do? I, I think so. Um, I mean, they liked the music we brought in and the music that we brought in is what got us the deal in the first place, getting to sit there right in front of them with acoustic guitar and just play the songs I'd written. Some I'd written by myself, some I'd written with people here since I'd moved to town. But I think that did give a uh, flexibility where I was able to show what I could do if I wrote alone and just things like that. And they were able to trust that we would bring in good stuff and they didn't have to lead us and try to guide us any sort of micromanaging way. I think it really has. And, and I love the confidence that they have. It actually helps me have more confidence in myself to know that I must be doing something right at some point. Yeah. That's always good to have that, those people behind you that will push you forward yeah. when you need it. Yeah. So um, do you still write by yourself sometimes or is everything a, a co-write these days? 
I do. I, when I'm on the road or if I have a long time, I try to at least come up with, with more than just a song idea. I don't always write full songs anymore because it's great to write by yourself. And I still love to write by myself. But when I have such great writers around me that I can know the style of a song and think of someone who I know would be able to help finish this particular type of idea out, I do like to take half song or three quarter song or just whatever into people. I don't always finish them by myself. Like, uh, is it true you wrote Secret by yourself? Because that's what it shows on, on Spotify. I did. I wrote Secret before I ever moved to town. You know, it's about being from a small town and that's when I was still living that life every day. So that that made that one pretty easy. <laughs> but when you're really still living in it, I don't know how easy that would have been. From the outside. You know, if I years or anything. <laughs> What's so cool about that song is how it has the different stories and they all feel like they're they're separate. And then at the end, it all comes together and hits you. And that song, I love that song so much, dude. I appreciate it, man. I, I, we say that at live shows that it's about how whether you want it to or not, when you're in such a small town, your paths are going to cross and your stories are going to intermingle and you can't really help it because you see the same people every day. And that's what I was trying to get across with that one. So I want to run through some of the other ones that you put out recently um, mm-hmm. and kind of get the story behind those, if if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so um, let's start with um, Love is a Dead End Road. Oh, so it's funny about Love is a Dead End Road because I actually know that was um, October 15th, 2019. And, and the reason I know that is because that's the day that I went into my attorney's office and signed my record deal. And we let, I left and it was just a work day like any other. I was going in to write with Brockberry Hill and uh, Chase Rice. And when I got to Brockberry Hill's place where we were writing, I got a picture from my sister. She texted me and it was kind of a picture of the woods. You couldn't really tell what you were looking at. It just like a little bit of a trail going into the woods. And to me and you, that's all it would be was just trees. And her and her husband and my two kids, her, my two kids, my niece and nephew, her two kids had just closed on land to build what could possibly be their forever home. And she was so excited about that, that she sends me this picture of what just looks like the woods or looks like a dead end road. And so I'm getting coffee and I see this picture and I have the idea and I go in there and I'm like, guys, I think we could write an idea. Love is a dead end road about love, maybe just being where you end up with your family and what means what to you, you know, because everything means different things to different people and everybody sees life differently. And that's kind of where that idea came from. Would you say that that's one of the the strangest ways that you've gotten inspiration for a song? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> you get them in so many different ways. I mean, whether it's watching movies and hear a line someone says in a movie, but to, yeah, to get a picture from my sister and I automatically think of this kind of, cliche sounding title that sounds negative but to put the twisted i mean that was great for it to i think it's frozen yeah we're frozen <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we're back. Me? I got you. Yeah. You were about the, the twisted title. So if you want to continue from there. 
Oh, just to, to get a picture like that from my sister and then think of how that can apply in different people's lives and to come up with that idea that sounds negative and it sounds a little bit cliche and take it into, I mean, like I said, Brock and Chase are both great writers. So to be able to have people that we can take that idea into it and they love it and run with it. And it was, it was Oh, we're frozen again. Oh. And I got plenty of bars and I'm on Wi-Fi. Yeah, I can hear you, Tyler. Can you hear me okay now? Let's see. Huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Why did you throw me out of there? What just happened? Let's see. So then um, I want to move on to um, what do they know? Can you sort of tell us the story behind that one and how that song came together? So um, I want to move to what do, what do they know? Could you tell me the story behind that one and how that song came together? Yeah, man. What do they know? I was writing with um, Aaron Schurz and we'd never met before. And I went in there and I don't remember if this was his idea or my idea. It's been so long now, but. And we had this idea and we actually were, he was asking me questions about like what type of truck I drove and that's where we came in with Tacoma on the song and that song ended up being really and I won't say I had a lot of negativity like the song has but I just know the possibility there and I know that people think you know it's kind of crazy to try to do something like this but it's funny that we wrote that song that day and I rarely go out around town or anything and I'm normally kind of a homebody when I'm in town and I'd never met Aaron before that day and that night I happened to go out to a writer's round and I run into Aaron Scherz at the writer's round. And I literally walked up to him and said, man, I'm sorry about today. You know, I mean, don't always get a good one, man. We'll come back. We'll get another one. Um, thinking we didn't get a great song, but I go home and I'm listening to it some more. It keeps popping up on my playlist of demos that I have. And I listen to it more and more and I actually add the bridge in after the fact and tweak a couple things. And it went from being a song I was unsure about that could have disappeared forever if I wouldn't have, you know, coincidentally happened to listen to it again to being one of my favorite songs when I was able to sit down and really make it true to myself in the details. And that's kind of how that one came around. Like I said, it was like a flash in the pan, lucky thing that because a lot of songs disappear, man. A lot of songs you write and listen to them for a week and then they're just gone. But luckily we stuck with that one and made the tweaks and, you know, it's where it is today. And it's one of my favorite ones. Are you someone who usually knows right away after you write a song that you want to cut it, that you're in love with the song, or does it usually take time for you? Um, I would say it's about 50, 50. I mean, sometimes, you know, right away. And those are the really good ones. And the ones you're like, Oh, I want to cut and try to put this one out as soon as possible. And then some of them have to sit with you. You might think this sounds good to try to pitch it to another artist or, you know, it's a good song, but you don't know, like it's for you. I'm like, I don't know it's for me. 
And it does take listening to them and living with them and then go two or three weeks and come back and listen to it again and just get space from it. Sometimes it does have to go that way. And it's good to get outside, you know, opinions and sending it to different people that I really, really trust. And sometimes it is a process, but sometimes, man, it just clicks halfway yeah. through writing. Some, when you know, you know, sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then um, I want to move to the last one that you put out, which is um, Ways to Miss You. Could you tell us the, the story behind that one and how that one came together? Um, Ways to Miss You, I wrote right before kind of everything shut down for, you know, COVID and quarantine and all that. And we wrote that it was a buddy of mine's idea that he brought in and we, we kind of wrote it to be, it ended up being kind of poppy sound from the demo and it worked out. I mean, I love songs that kind of have like that twist there and just kind of a tongue in cheek meaning to the song. And we started playing that one out. We were on tour with Granger Smith and we started playing that song. But when I'm with my band, we get a little heavier, at least guitar heavier and drum heavier. And, and that song ended up fitting the live show so well. And we were in rehearsal playing it. And right as the song ends, we're just messing around. I kind of kept playing acoustic. The drum, sl- drum slowly came back in. The band starts coming back in and we do another chorus and let them solo and stuff like that. And we're just having fun at rehearsal. And that ended up, staying with us is kind of the live version and now we end shows with that song that started like a poppier smooth song kind of feel and that i thought was great already but when we were able to make it our own and really get the band on it and make it heavier and really good for a live show like i said i always lean aspect like how a song is going to sound live and now that's our favorite song to play live like i said before and we end the show with it with this just like heavier chorus and we have a live version on youtube and it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's such a rocker at the end of that, like you said, how that kind of stops and then starts over again. It's yeah. so cool. So um, what's next for you? Um, man, we've we're still working on tour, you know, trying to stay busy. And I've got a tour coming up in November, December with Brantley Gilbert. It's gonna be our first run of arena shows with him. We're super excited that he's taking us on that. It's gonna be just us and him. We're playing direct support. And we're having an EP come out in November. I'm very excited about that. We've done all singles up to now. And I'm excited to be able to push out multiple new songs at a time and just see how the fans react and who picks what song and whose favorite song is what. And I'm just really excited for that. And all that's coming for the end of the year. So it's going to be a fun year from here on out. Really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Have a good one, Andrew. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. You can leave us a nice review wherever you're listening as well. And if you liked what you heard from Tyler, be sure to go check out all of his music and get ready for his upcoming EP in November, which we can't wait for. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for listening once again.